Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. It's the best of Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I am your guest host, Cliff D. Andrews, and Dr. Steve is out for the week, so I'm just going to be here taking his place and bringing you some of the best clips I could find for your entertainment purposes. Uh, This is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question that you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, or if you just can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347 766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine and Dr. Scott WM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Or go to our new merch store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Uh, Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt and don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse, practitioner, physician, assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever the hell. Let's get it going, right? So for today, I picked out some clips about blood pressure, going vegan, penis pills, and whatever the hell a plugged liver is. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Hey, Dr. Steve, it's uh, Nick from Kentucky. Um, I was diagnosed with low testosterone uh, three or four years ago, probably. Uh, Low vitamin D, low B12, and I've been on injections. I've been on androgel. I've been on uh, testum gel. Nothing seems to work. They had sent me to an endocrinologist, but they actually ended up firing the one that we had here local. So they have put me to a uh, a lady they have filling in for an endocrinologist. And she went down a checklist uh, for chronic fatigue because they can't figure out why I'm so tired all the time. And she went through everything on the list, everything checked out. Um, I don't know how many three-letter codes that they checked my blood work for. But my question is, at the end... uh, 
she came up with the fact that metaphrins, if I'm saying that right in my urine, were uh, too high, but they couldn't test it because of my uh, metoprol uh, blood pressure medicine. It was increasing those, and they wanted me to go off of it. But my family doctor won't approve that. Do you have any suggestions on what I could do or how I could uh, fix that? Thanks. Hi. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is more. Okay. What he's talking about is urine metanephrines, and that's a breakdown of epinephrine. And he's right. They um, uh, what they're looking for are uh, you know things like pheochromocytoma. And so don't worry about what all that is because this is not really an issue of us diagnosing what his problem is. It's an issue of him communicating with his primary care physician. Feeling like shit. And uh, first off, he's complaining of fatigue. They're saying, well, your metanephrines might be elevated, but we can't uh, check that until you come off your metoprolol. Metoprolol, my friends, is a beta blocker that one of its main side effects is fatigue. Right. It's a blood pressure medication. So think medications. Right. So uh, I would petition the physician to consider changing you to something else because there's all kinds of other blood pressure medications. If if he or she won't do it, have the endocrinologist call them and have them fight it out. And when you get off of that and onto an ACE inhibitor Mm -hmm. or some other medication, and I don't know your situation, Mm -hmm. so beta blocker may be the perfect thing for you. Mm -hmm. But you may find that that fatigue goes away. Uh, I had a, a... uh, a, a case a million years ago of impotence that went completely went away when the patient was taken off their beta blocker. Right. So uh, that was one of the happiest patients you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so just uh, always think drugs and yep. let's look at that first and then go from there. Okay, That's we're right. complete. And check yourself for sleep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. there's all sleep kinds time. of <laughs> sleep apnea, testosterone, thyroid, yeah. anemia. Those are all the things that they've got to do. You're listening to Weird Medicine. I keep leaving messages about weird stuff you suggest <laughs> on the podcast. But uh, not yesterday, but I think it was the day before yesterday, say Thursday. So, like, Monday or Tuesday, anyway. Anyway. Um, anyway. I signed up for the Noom app that you were talking about. And so far, like yesterday was the first day that I fully logged my, you know, entire day. And the accountability really helps. Like, yes, I've tried, you know, my fitness pal. Okay, what she's talking about is um, I'm I'm doing that thing. They're not a sponsor Mm -hmm. called Noom. Mm -hmm. It's an app. And um, I, we talk, I talked about it on the show. I've lost 21, 22 pounds on it now. And uh, uh, one of the aspects of it is uh, accountability. I have, to, I have to report every single thing I put in my mouth to my counselor. Mm-hmm. And she listens to the show. So, I, you know, she got a little frustrated with me because I said, you know, she's so hot right. that I didn't want to. Well, the feminist part of me doesn't like that it's <laughs> about my looks. But it's like, no, that's a dude thing. Yes. You know, I have no shot with her. No. It's not that. No. It's just that uh, she's, I, she's attractive, hot. Yeah. She's attractive. Yep. And I don't want to admit to her that I ate a whole bag of freaking <laughs> Snickers. <laughs> so I don't do it. Yep. So that's what she's talking about. So let's see what she had to say. I tried, you know, like 
like, quote-unquote accountability through, like, gyms and friends going to the gym with me and all this other kind of stuff. And it never worked. But it did work for me uh, going to the gym when I had a friend that I went with every single time. Um, and <clears throat> that was in medical school. I had a friend who was a ham radio operator, and we, that's where we knew each other. And, and we would meet at the gym three times a week and encourage each other. That made a difference. And that was the one time when I was actually buff was because he and I would compete against each other. Who can curl the most on the, you know, on the Nautilus sure. curling machine? We got to the point where, you know, we could curl the max on the Nautilus machine. And, um, you know, I was in really good shape. But you got to have somebody like that. they got to go with you every single time. Yes. So I agree with her on that. You have somebody, like, you know, actually holding you accountable for... Oh, anyway, yes, I, I agree. Accountability is huge. Um, that's what the, for me, that's what I needed because before that I could say, well, I'll just have four Snickers cause they don't bother my stomach. So they must be good for me because everything else seems to bother my stomach mm-hmm. anymore. And then, well, I'd go back, well, I'll just have a handful this time. And the, the next thing I knew I'd eaten a whole bag and I was just going up and up and up and wait. And since I've had this accountability, it's not just that, but that was a big part of it. Just the ability to have to tell somebody, uh-oh, I screwed up, and I don't want to tell them I screwed up so I don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it'll be interesting when I'm no longer in the program, Now that, I, but I've forged new habits. It's been 100 days, and I'm eating differently uh, without even thinking about it now, you know? Good. Good. So, but anyway, so, yeah, accountability is a big deal. How so, much have you lost? 21, 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going for 33 total. So uh, that'll be at my ideal body weight. I'm my BMI is below 25, which I'm not a big fan of BMI, but mm. is below tw- – it's all we got. Mm. <clears throat> below 25, so I'm no longer considered overweight by medical standards, which is the first time in my adult life. But the key is how do you feel? A million uh, – I feel like a million yeah. bucks. Yeah. People feel. notice. That's the first thing. People notice, well, hey, you look pretty good. Um I, I've lost so much weight I can no longer fit in my expensive uh, <laughs> hospital clothes. So uh, Brooks Brothers is losing a bunch of money because I was like, I can either buy a shitload more Brooks Brothers pants and shirts, or I can just switch to scrubs. So I decided to switch to scrubs, <laughs> and uh, I feel better in these. It's a lot, hell of a lot more comfortable. I always look, you know, I never, I don't fit. I just look crappy anyway. I got a stupid body. It's just too straight. And when it's not straight and I got a gut, then it's disgusting. So I just feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. I've got more energy. Just, uh, you know, yeah. Better. Yeah, just Period. better. It's I feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm actually now, for the first time in my life, I'm motivated to actually work out and stuff too, mm-hmm. which I, of course, have not done, but I'm motivated to do it. Well, don't start jogging. That's what. That's how you blew up your. I know. No, I'm not. Your no. leg last time. I, I did. I, no. I don't know what was wrong with me thinking I was going to. Oh, wait, I know what it was. My you're, kid. You're running with Kate. Yeah, you're running with your. No, my with, son was doing cross country and right. it looked like that looks like fun, and I didn't realize that he was a semi elite athlete. And when I would see him come around the corner in front of everybody, and I'd be cheering, that wasn't going to be me. <laughs> 
So, and then I just, yeah, I tore my gastrocnemius muscle, which for those of you who are lay people, which is most everybody that's listening to this, hopefully, uh, that's my calf muscle. I ripped it in two. And um, that talk about pain. And then I look stupid. I'm in the middle of this track at the middle school, and I'm just laying down holding my leg like a big baby. Yes. And I had to limp home. <laughs> terrible. Jogging sucks. It's <laughs> a terrible idea. So, oh my gosh. And I almost fell, I almost bought one of those $2,500 Elliptigo things because I thought that would be fun. It's an elliptical bicycle. Sure. Where you stand on it, you don't sit because I don't want to sit on a bike because uh, I, I don't want to get pudendal neuropathy. Get your prostate all pissed off at Yeah, you and your dick too. Your dick can yep. go numb if you yep. don't sit on that thing, right? If you're going to be a bike rider, by the way, look for seats that support the back part of your ass and mm-hmm. don't make your taint put a bunch of weight on a real narrow thing. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to do that. So, But I have found... Uh, a virtual reality thing, exercise workout, and I'm going to try that. Okay. See, because that's what I really want is an exercise bike that's hooked up to a virtual reality, and then like you run away from from aliens or something, <laughs> and the faster you pedal, the right. less you get killed, <laughs> or uh, you know that you may have a, a spaceship or something. You're going through an asteroid f- field. I think that would be for that. I would do. Yeah, that would be cool. <clears throat> It'd be cool if you could be like. It'd, it'd be cool if you could put yourself into like one of those, um, those virtual reality games, the shoot 'em up games, where you could be yes. like the person trying to avoid getting shot. Yes, but it, but but around, it's all dependent on how fast you're going on the bike, and and maybe it would uh, change. Like if you're going uphill, it would change the right. resistance and stuff like that. I That'd would cool. love that. That'd be cool. I found one online, but it's not quite ready for prime time yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, if anybody knows anything like that that would work with the Oculus Go, let me know. All right. Um, let's try. Oh, here's one for you. Let's see. Uh, I thought it was. Oh, yeah. Here you go. This this is a question for Dr. Hey, Scott. Dr. Steve. Got a question for you. 43 years old. I go to the gym five days a week, and I have a yearly physical. And before my last physical, I decided to try something different. So for six months, we went vegan. So I cut out all meat, chicken, eggs, dairy. If it if it had a mother, I didn't eat it. Uh, no honey and no gelatin. And to boot, I also cut out alcohol and carbonated drinks. So. Oh wait, I think I think I just booed over the important part. Not consisting mainly of fruits, vegetables and bread, and I made sure the bread didn't have any eggs or milk in it either. And that also left me with a protein and soy-based diet, and we did that for six months. So when I get my labs back from the doctor, my total cholesterol has went from 196 to 228, and my triglycerides went from 264 to a whopping 554. Mm-hmm. And... I gained 14 pounds. What so the, my where question does the laughing is, go? What the hell? Thank you very much. 
I, I fucked that up. I hit all the wrong buttons, but anyway. Well, <clears throat> so we know what to tell you. He went on a totally plant-based diet. Right, vegan-based And he diet. gained weight, and his cholesterol and his triglycerides went up. So yep. what did he do wrong, if you anything? Know, well, you know, it sounds like to me, Dr. Steve, he fell into that same habit a lot of people get into. They read these things that say healthy or organic or, or all good for you, and they don't read in their... And look at the look at the ingredients where there's a lot of hidden sugars, and you'll get well. Sugar itself is vegan. Th- that's right? correct. That's correct. And I think that's that's table sugar what, is vegan. Yeah, because you think about honey is he, not. No, but 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 still, yet yeah, it's the hidden <clears throat> sugars. And if you notice, the one interesting thing you said is triglycerides shot up. So his liver is being overstimulated with these with these sugars, kicks that up, and that kicks up the production of the of the cholesterol too. So you know what you what you want to what yeah, carbohydrates are the enemy, not right. fats. Right, that's correct. So you know what it look what it looks like to me is that he was trying to do the right thing, but he wound up eating the foods that were absolutely categorically wrong. If you want to be a true vegan and and not not gain any weight, yeah. you have to eat kind of like a like like an ape and wild you know and eat sixteen pounds of spinach. And kale and stuff daily, and then that won't happen. You'll get all your protein. Can you get enough protein? From you absolutely. That? Yeah. You know what they found is that one of the reasons that that um, animals in the wild, specifically, and I can speak specifically to apes, that eat these, they get a very small amount of animal protein in the bugs and stuff that they that yeah. are on that are on the leaves. Right. Right. And right. they they found that in captivity actually, and and, and um. But so what he was well, doing. that's interesting because they'd you know, wash their food. They washed when it when they gave it to him and, right, and took and all the bugs. Yeah. Took all the bugs off it. That's exactly right. <clears throat> so this gentleman had a good idea. But the bottom line is, he you know if he's eating a bunch of rice, if he's eating a bunch of bread, if he's eating yep. these things, the grains that convert in your bloodstream almost instantly to yep. sugar, yep. spiking your serum glucose, it's spiking triglycerides, it spikes your cholesterol. He had it close, but I would say. Stop the the sugar, you know the the um, the fruit drinks. Stop the fruit. I hate to say it. Well, I hate cut down it. on the fruit. yeah, or at least cut down the fruit, and absolutely cut down on all the brain, the grains and the rices, etc. Go back to the green leafy vegetables if you want to be vegan. But I, I'm I'm a huge fan of again moderation. I think a little bit of a little bit of meat. You know, we talk about a lot of times on here the pescatarian diets. Yeah, based mostly on veggies and fish. That's and that's kind of the diet that I, yeah. I go to. So he was close. Yeah. He just had a bunch. You know, I think in retrospect he can look back and see there were a bunch of hidden sugars in there, and that's what derailed him. Sure, I I see a lot of uh, vegans who get fat, mm-hmm. and their indices don't do well because they're eating a lot of pasta and potatoes. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, other things. And so starches are just sugars that are chained together. Right. <clears throat> So pasta, uh, even uh, you know, high, whole grain pasta, even, sure. even uh, potatoes, any, pasta any of that stuff, yeah. and it, they're filling and they taste good. And it's mm. like, well, I can't have mm. all these other things, yeah. but I can eat all the damn potatoes I want, and then that's the problem. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I'm a just good? reading. Uh, yeah, vegan diets a lot of times just rely too heavily on carbs. Yep. And there's a report in the uh, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, and uh, it says. Um, Ninety-nine percent of our genes were formed before the development of agriculture, and the consumption of grains like wheat around ten thousand years ago, which you and I have been talking about for, for a long time. That right. you know, our ancestors didn't have um, gluten and a lot of wheat in their diet because they hadn't developed agriculture yet. And um, th- these things are a mismatch with our genes for a lot of people. 
and then you refine it and you hybridize stuff and you spray stuff and genetic modification, whether it's through GMO type stuff or just Mendelian genetic modification. It, you know, we're eating things that our bodies didn't evolve to process mm, very well. Exactly. So, but anyway, so yeah, that's probably what's going on there. And I'm with Scott. <clears throat> I think green leafy vegetables applies in another place too. These people that are eating ketogenic diets, mm-hmm. uh, if they're just eating meat, they're malnourished. They Correct, will lose yeah. weight, but they're losing weight because they're malnourished. Right. You know, there's 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 as much protein in a head of broccoli as there is there is in a filet mignon. Is that right? Yep. And you think about it. Those you know, rhinoceroses. Um, yeah, that's you you're, know, right, gir- you're right. You're right. Giraffes, et cetera. Et cetera. Herb- herbivores yeah, must herbivores. be getting protein. They get from protein from from plants, but the reason they do is because they eat such massive amounts. Yeah, right. They're not they're not protein dense, but there's adequate right. protein if you eat enough of it. Which is right. you know what you and I, you and I, we have to have eat at certain times because we have jobs and families and blah blah blah. But you know if we're if we're living in the uh, out in the jungle and you know we're going to eat and sleep most of the time you can kind of eat at your leisure throughout the day and get those calories but we just can't do that okay so let me i'll give you some vegetables and you tell me oh we don't have enough time for this stupid game okay uh uh, weirdly and this one surprises me one of the vegetables highest in protein is watercress Cruciferous plant grows in water as a high protein content. One cup of chopped watercress contains 0.8 grams of protein, 100% of vitamin K and B vitamins. Okay, let's see here. Um, how about spinach? Protein accounts for 30% of its calories. Mm. I love spinach. Raw uh, spinach it, is yeah. my favorite love it, love it, love it. thing as far as vegetables are concerned. Um, kale and Swiss chard and things of that nature. Yeah, Chinese cabbage, bok choy, asparagus, and also you can piss and stink up the bathroom. <laughs> One cup <laughs> contains uh, 2.9 grams of protein. Mustard greens, bleh. Okay, uh, broccoli. One cup uh, serving of raw chopped broccoli has 2.6 grams of protein. Mm. And all the essential amino acids also contains folate, manganese, potassium, phosphorus, and vitamin C. So people who are on a ketogenic diet, if they will skew highly toward the green leafy vegetables Mm -hmm. and lean animal protein, that's a reasonably safe and effective diet for people. Uh, I'm not a big fan of diets per se, but as a lifestyle, it's reasonable, particularly if you're gluten sensitive like I am. Um, uh, you know, and don't want to eat a bunch of potatoes because that's what gained where, where I gained a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So anyway, all right. Well, I'm looking to see if we have any dick or nut questions. Well, I have a Cialis question. I'll say Let's I had a that. masturbation. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, no. Hey, Dr. Steve, this okay, is the... Uh, you want to do it? And we'll no, no, this that was the next that John Popper thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, Swinger okay, guy that had called a while back uh, about the uh, projectile ability of ejaculation and uh, also about uh, Viagra versus Cialis. Uh, I have a question uh, relating to the Viagra versus Cialis. Um, Blue Chew, is it safe? Uh, Does it it actually use the ingredients? Okay. So uh, I don't know anything about Blue Chew, but if they're uh, FDA, uh, uh, you know, approved and they are selling 
what they say is the same ingredient as Viagra, then that's sildenafil, then yes, that would be safe as long as there's no contraindications. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the deal with these, we only got 30 seconds, um, is that uh, compounding pharmacies can make a chewable Viagra because there isn't one commercially on the market. Mm -hmm. So they can make anything that's not commercially on the market and uh, you can go to any compounding pharmacy and get uh, Viagra lozenges and, you know, and chewables and stuff like that. And uh, those are perfectly legal and they're just as safe as the regular. So anyway. You're listening to Weird Medicine. Well. Leaving a message ends just too soon. I was busy jay offing and it just ends. I couldn't end. What? So I guess I'll ask you a question. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, close to diabetic, uh, pre-diabetic. We, we probably could have started this call right here. Mm-hmm. I don't know what all that preamble. Good, yeah, it's a good call screen. Diabetic, <laughs> um, and they gave me pre, maybe even into it. Um, they were never super clear, but they gave me a few medications. Uh, I don't have to prick myself. They ca- they asked for it occasionally just to make sure, but. I don't know what they are off the top of my head. Okay. First off, if you're diabetic, mm-hmm. you need to be checking your blood sugar. Yes. <laughs> um, and you need to know what medication you're on. Yes. So let's um, let's just, just a, a little advice from your old Uncle Steve. But I've been going on an extreme diet, you know, 1,200 calories. Okay. Every day because I have a cruise coming up in a month and a half. And you know what? I stopped taking my medication because, damn it, if I'm eating nothing, my blood sugar should be fine. Okay. So if we could rely on this, we wouldn't need to check our blood sugars. Right. Because you can't tell most of the time when your blood sugar is elevated. That's why most people who are diagnosed with diabetes are actually surprised by it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm okay with people doing diet control of their diabetes. Matter of fact, I would prefer that. Yes. Most people with type 2 diabetes, which is the type where you have plenty of insulin, but your body just can't understand the signal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's those people, many of them can be controlled with diet alone. Yes. If you'll just do it. So he's doing this. 1200 calorie diet don't know he just said the calorie doesn't tell me how many carbs it is it could be all rice you know if it's all just white bread 1200 calories of white bread then that's not going to help him it's going to make it worse um, if he's doing a low glycemic index 1200 calorie diet Mm -hmm. um, uh, under the supervision of a nutritionist at the diabetes center I should have I have no problem with that and I'm even okay with him coming off his medication and seeing what happens. But how are you going to know if it's working if you're not testing your blood sugar? Right. So that's that's the the issue I have. Agreed. With his strategy. Totally right agreed. Now. Let's see. And all that. Anyways, I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Oh, so I well, still take okay. them. I know you. You don't know the medication I am. I'm on. But well, dude, you don't even know. So let's say. <laughs> Work with somebody. You get you get the deal. Yeah, I get the deal. So I, I think it's totally fine. It's a decent strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, lifestyle m- management for a lot of people can, if not 
cure their diabetes can certainly improve it to the yes. point where they need minimal medication. And if you start this early, you can very often uh, prevent yourself from needing insulin down the road and kidney failure and all these things. Uh, so I, I'm okay with the strategy. I just don't like the way you're doing it. Mm. So if you will at least monitor yourself, yes, and then um, uh, and then keep a diary and then take it in. That's fine. Um, or do it under your doctor's supervision. Mm. But you got to have your blood sugar checked, or you'll never know. Yeah, you'll never know if you're making improvements or not. There's no way yeah. to know. No. Now down the road, they're going to want to do a thing called a hemoglobin A1C, which is probably one of the things they did to diagnosis in the first place. Right. Uh, hemoglobin A1C is a really cool test because it gives you a three-month kind of rolling average of what your um, blood sugars have been. So if you did, um, uh, you know, uh, blood sugars throughout the day and then average them all up and then average them over 30 days and then every day you do the last 30 days or three months sorry but you know then you get this rolling average so a hemoglobin a1c gives you about a three-month rolling average of your average blood sugar mm. and uh, it'll correlate with with that and um it basically happens because there's an irreversible reaction between glucose and hemoglobin where it can attach and once it does it doesn't go away mm. so and it, the amount of glucose that's attached to the hemoglobin in your blood um, is proportional to your average blood sugar over the last 90 days because or yeah 90 days because a, a blood cell lasts about anywhere between 90 and 150 days right Okay, so it's a good marker, and so you know every three months when you're first working with somebody with diabetes, you can see is it going up, is it going down, or is it staying the same? There's no fourth thing; it'll be one of those, <laughs> you know. Right. And if it's going down, then you're doing all the right things. Right on. Okay, so he needs he needs all of this, and yes. he just needs to talk to his provider. It's totally fine; they'll be they'll be open to it. You know, my doc, um, when my blood pressure started to elevate um i said look i'm getting ready to go on this noom app um do you think we could wait to put me on blood pressure medicine he said no let's just put you on it and then when you lose the weight then we'll see, we'll try to back you off and hmm. see what happens and i actually am kind of glad he did that because i would add a yet another three months of elevated blood pressure because mm -hmm. even with the i've lost 25 pounds on noom so far and um hmm. but my blood pressure hasn't come down that much i was surprised hmm. It's genetic, yep. you know. Hell, yep. everybody, ma every man in my family had high blood pressure. Yep. So, running wide open. And I, lo I love that gnome, though. Yeah, you're doing really well. Yeah, I'm very happy it's, with it. That's very a lot happy of weight. Yep. All right. And I've still got I've got ten to go to hit my ideal. Oh no, my God, no. So. Well, shit. A uh, wicked egg allergy, right? Um, so food allergies in general, I'm just curious you guys' thoughts and opinions on um, exposing them to, you know, said food allergy and, and, you know, does that actually help get rid of it? You know, I don't know. There's a lot of mixed opinions on it, so I'm, uh, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Thanks. Well, okay, so here's the thing. There's prevention of allergies, and there's treatment of allergies and food allergies are really kind of um you know they're a tough one i had a friend Very tough. 
who had a kid who's now a pharmacist, and he all, I can't even count how many times he almost died. They'd Ugh. come home because he ate one pea. He right. was allergic to all kinds of stuff. Oh, gosh. And, you know, when he was little, they didn't know if he was going to make it. Now he's, you know, hale and hearty, and mm-hmm. um, uh, mm. you, you don't want to mess with him. Somebody came in tried to rob them, and I think he shot him. <laughs> so he's doing pretty well. Good. But, uh, you know, um, more and more, it, so the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that food allergies in children have increased 50% between 1997 and 2011, and they affect one kid out of 13, and that's like two students in every classroom. So I know all these parents are like, well, I can't even send peanut butter to what school. What was the num- number again on that? One in 13. Dang. Yep. Now, that's going to be a varying severity. Sure, you know? of course. Still, but yeah. 90% of the allergic reactions come from eight foods, milk, eggs, peanuts, tree nuts, soy, wheat, fish, and shellfish. So there's not a whole lot of shellfish sandwiches going into school, but there are a lot of peanut butter sandwiches and stuff. Sure. And, uh, you know, there are a few theories, uh, including one linked to our society's obsession with fighting germs, and this is called the hygiene hypothesis. And what the hygiene hypothesis states is that lack of exposure to these uh, agents early in childhood uh, can create a situation where the immune system mistakes food protein as invading germs. And so it's not that they're not being exposed to peanuts. It's that they're not being exposed to bacteria, say, in the soil or something Mm -hmm. that have um, these proteins on them that are similar to proteins on peanuts. Okay. And so now when they get the peanuts, all of a sudden the body just, you know, tries to attack those antigens because mm-hmm. they've never been exposed to them before. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. And, um, you know, nobody knows the answer to this. That's the problem. It's still being studied, still being debated. Um, but there are a lot of people that think that that hypothesis at least has some merit because, you know, we're just, just our kids are being brought up in bubbles, sure, you know, in clean sure. rooms, basically. Yep. And, uh, you know, I didn't let my kids just play in the dirt. Now, hell, I ate dirt, you know, mud pie sandwiches when I was a kid. I remember doing it. Uh. Of course, my um, favorite um, 
story of my youth was I was in the backyard of a friend's house and everybody had left me and done something else. I was in the backyard by myself and I start screaming bloody murder, just screaming, screaming uh, like I was being, you know, attacked. And uh, they all came running and they were, what's wrong? And I went, a butterfly. (laughs) I didn't. Butterflies freaked me out because of the way they flew. It was so chaotic. Yep. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. How, how old were you? 12, oh, 13? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was three. So I had that on my side. There you go. Um, they're uh, also wondering if medicines like antibiotics or acid-reducing stomach medications are being overused. But, um, you know, we would know if there was a correlation. Most kids are not being given acid-reducing stomach medications. Most adults are. Mm-hmm. Va- a huge number. I think, I think um, you know, for a while there, um, omeprazole was the number one prescribed drug for adults in, in the world. It was bet, something. Yeah. It was one of those. It might have been Zantac, one of those stomach uh, acid-reducing. Um, so I, I'm leery of that one. And then, uh, of course, climate change is being mm-hmm. blamed on it. Um, you know, uh, these climatologists say that, you know, we are in the hottest decade on record and the warm and warmer climate may worsen respiratory allergies, but still doesn't e- e- explain the food allergies. So I really am on the side of the clean, Me too. clean room hypothesis. Because well, we've talked about it before, but you know, on the show, but, you know, there's a higher risk for children that are born via C-section having asthma and having other types of mm. diseases because they're born in a clean room. You know, they, they don't get all of the, um, well, we're not just the squatting bacteria. them into the rice right. field. Right. You the know. Good bacteria. Um, let me, so you're saying C-section. Yep. Kids are, are higher risk. And as asthma. asthma. Yep. Asthma. Yep. Okay. Let's just, by God, see if see I'm right. By no, God. I know. I think you are. I yeah. Think I think you are. I think so. Cesarean section without medical indication. And the risk of childhood asthma and attenuation by breastfeeding. Now, okay, now look, whatever you do, breastfeed your damn kid yes. if you can. If and that was the second part of can. the story. Yeah, if you can, um, yeah. because uh, and I think I, I do know this this study, and um, it's going to show that uh, they these kids that had or you know C sections had an increase in asthma, but that was blunted in the group of women that breastfed their kids. Right, exactly. So let's see here. Uh, our study found that C-section without medical indication was significantly associated with elevated asthma risk. And so it was about a 58% increase. Now, remember, that's relative risk, absolute mm-hmm. risk, still very low. Sure. However, this risk was attenuated in children fed by exclusive breastfeeding in the first six months after birth. And and, and I, I think you can do it even shorter time than that and still get benefit from it. My littlest one back would be either severely debilitated today or may not have made it if my wife hadn't been breastfeeding. So he's five Mm -hmm. days into his life. I walk into his room to check on him in his crib and the heat, I could feel it come, you know, radiating off of him. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I get him out of his little sleeper thing and he is just burning up. Check his temp, 105. Oh, bless his heart. Before we even did any, oh, and he's breathing 40 times a minute too. Right. Just happened, just suddenly. So uh, I I didn't even stop, go, or collect $200. Get him in the car. I'm Mm -hmm. on my way to the hospital and I'm calling our pediatrician. He meets him uh, uh, 
and he had respiratory syncytial virus, which causes croup in older kids. Mm, RSV, right? Yeah, RSV. And um, my wife had a cold when she delivered, and lo and behold, she had RSV. So she gave it to him. So in adults, it just causes a cold, but mm. in kids, it causes croup, and in babies, it can kill them or it can cause uh, chronic asthma. But she was breastfeeding, mm. and this kid, because she gave it to him, she had the antibodies, fresh antibodies, mm. IgM antibodies in her uh, in her breast milk, and uh, she was able to confer uh, protection. Mm-hmm to him through these antibodies and the kid just sailed right through cool totally sailed right through totally fine and Ran he continues cross country. to sell he continues to sell yep he's a beautiful child yep he's a good little feller yep. so anyway uh, i i think that um so the risk of asthma with a uh, c-section obviously you don't want to do them without medical indication mm. uh to the individuals low but is uh, that's a huge number 58 percent increase sure. in yep. risk but the real take home of this is that uh, breastfeeding is good for you mm. so if you can breastfeed highly recommend it sure. and if you're having trouble they have breastfeeding coordinators and, and team, coaches yeah, and everything every, in every yep. hospital yep and uh, we had to, you know, Tacey had trouble breast or, or, you know, breastfeeding with Liam. And uh, what we had to do was weigh him before and after just to see how much he was getting. So you would weigh him oh, wow. and then okay. breastfeed. And then as long as he weighed three ounces more, mm-hmm. then he got enough. Oh, cool. You know, so it was kind of cool. All right. Dr. Steve, uh, my name is Mike Lane, and I recently had an MRI and... For kidney stones, they didn't find any kidney stones, but he did say that I had a plugged liver. For some reason, I'm not really sure. He didn't really give me much information. Oh, but what? I would like to know what I can do about this, and if there if there is anything that I should do with a follow up. Thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give your doctor one of these. Oh, um, we were doing an MRI and. Um, uh, we didn't find anything in your gallbladder, but your but your liver's clogged up. <laughs> See ya. Nice. What yeah. an asshole. It calls if you have any trouble. Yeah. <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna call your uh, assuming that this is the truth, the whole truth, mm. and nothing but the truth. I'm gonna call your that healthcare provider an asshole. Mm. I can do that if I call him a quack, then it's actionable. True. But I can call him an asshole all I it's want. It's your personal I opinion. learned that from uh, right. Penn & Teller. That's right. Because um, they said, oh, you know, we can't call these psychics fakes, right. but we can call them assholes all we want because <laughs> that's just our opinion. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> it, what this probably is is fatty liver. Fatty liver, right. Now, fatty liver can be caused by diabetes. It can be caused by drinking. It can just be genetic. Right. There is a condition called alpha-1 antitrypsin disorder, and uh, people who are carriers of this you know you have to have two genes to have the disease but if you have one you can the only manifestation could be uh that you have fatty liver and so sometimes when i see fatty liver in somebody that i didn't expect it in i'll check and they'll be heterozygous for uh alpha 1 antitrypsin deficiency which mm-hmm. is heterozygous just means they've got one normal gene and one shitty gene right abnormal um alpha 1 antitrypsin disorder uh you you may know you may not know that you have it in your family, but you could suspect it if you had a bunch of people in your family 
that had liver disease and or lung disease at an early age. You know, people that had emphysema and that was just really bad and maybe they died from it at like 40 or something Mm. and nobody knew why. If you had two or three people like that in your family, you know, this is an easy genetic test to do. It's a real simple blood test. It's It's not common, but I wouldn't say it's uncommon either. It's certainly not rare. Right. And uh, in this area where we are, there's um, pools of it. You know, I'll find I've seen more alpha one antitrypsin deficiency in this area than I've ever seen any other area of the country that I've practiced in. So, again, that whole consanguinity thing, you know, <laughs> uh, if you weren't here at the beginning of the show, that just means inbreeding. So. Um, uh, it, 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 non-alcoholic fatty liver disease um, is a... Um, you know, it, you know, the main characteristic is too much fat stored in the liver cells. And we, we can also call that steatohepatitis. When you start seeing elevated liver function tests, steato meaning fat and hepatitis just meaning irritation of the liver or inflammation of the liver. Uh, that, that can cause liver inflammation, which may progress to scarring and then, you know, cirrhosis down the road. So uh, if you have this, there are some things that can be done about it. And uh, rather than just your doctor going, well, hell yeah, you got fatty liver disease. Good luck, yeah. old buddy. Um, uh, go go see a hepatologist or, a, you know, a liver specialist. And most GI docs can handle this. Most mm-hmm. of them are uh, experts in, uh, in liver disease. Things that can cause it would be high cholesterol, uh, high triglycerides. High sure. You know, those Bad are blood diets. fats. Yep. Metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, basically high triglycerides with high blood pressure, uh, being overweight, uh, people, women with polycystic ovary syndrome. If you have sleep apnea, you can somehow, I don't know the mechanism of that one, and diabetes, as I said, hmm. um, and uh, all these genetic things as well. Um, you can diet control this sometimes. Uh, as Dr. Scott said, getting more active mm-hmm. is important. Uh, treating the underlying problem. If uh, you have high triglycerides, treating the high triglycerides with um, you know, omega-3 purified fish fatty oil. Acid, sure, fatty acids. Uh, there, are, there are prescription versions of that, and there's mm-hmm. one out there now, uh, I think Vasipa it's called. Mm-hmm. Vasipa is um, a purified uh, uh, omega-3 fatty acid. If I rem- if I'm remembering this right, uh, and it actually has been shown to prevent heart disease mm-hmm. at the same rate that statins do, wow. but only in people that have high triglycerides. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a 30 percent decrease in the first heart attack, and then you'll get progressive decreases in subsequent heart attacks. So, uh, but the first line of treatment is diet and exercise, losing weight, mm-hmm. getting to your uh, ideal body weight. And if you can lose 10% of your body weight, so if you weigh 200 pounds, if you can get down to 180, it helps. And uh, they'll also vaccinate you against hepatitis A and hepatitis B in case you get those. When you have fatty liver, it's going to be worse. Mm. And, um, you know, uh, so those those are the kinds of things they can do. So you want to have this followed up. Sure. Absolutely. I'm hoping this person is listening. Yes, me too. And uh, just ask for follow-up. It definitely can be treated. If your primary says, well, I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do about this, then um, 
and that you know they're going to sound just like they're from <laughs> from Appalachia. Uh, if they uh, then they can always send you to a specialist and just get checked out. See how serious it is. What do you need to do? Can we nip this in the bud? How far has it gotten? And if it's just a little bit of fatty liver without any inflammation, yeah, you can uh, you can get, you can get this under control pretty easily mm-hmm. with some work and um, uh, lead a long and normal happy life. Okay. Yep. Kid, I uh, became blood brothers with. Oh, hey, Doctor Steve. Hey, man. When I was a kid, I uh, became blood brothers with uh, my buddy from church, and I was just wondering. It was all, you know, it wasn't much blood. It, we, we cut our hands somehow. I forgot how we did it. Um, but I was just wondering: is is uh, his blood still in my body? Does it does it work like that? Beautiful question. I love this question. And uh, the answer is there may be some. Okay, so when you are blood brothers, you you cut uh, you know your thumb or your hand, and then you grasp them, and then you mix blood. Mm -hmm. The likelihood that any significant amount of blood goes from one person to the other because the pressure is for the blood to come out, not to go in. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, when you bleed, you bleed out. You don't bleed in. Mm So even if one or two cells are in there, well, let's just say you're blood type A and they're blood type B. What's going to happen when the those um, cells mix? You're going to get a clotting reaction. Mm. I mean, that's why you, you can't just give blood to just anybody. Right. And then the spleen will um, uh, see that happening and it'll it'll cull it out and destroy it. Now, could there be some molecules of your friend? Hell yeah. Sure. There could be hydrogen molecules. There could be oxygen molecules, you know, from the water, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and that could, those could be in significant numbers, you know, uh, orders of magnitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, to, okay, so um, salt to get, oh, I don't know what, look up what the uh, um, atomic weight of salt is. Okay. But, it's, uh, I can't, I used to know hey, this stuff by ask heart. Ask her, she'll know. Oh, yeah. Hey, Alexa, what's the atomic weight of salt? Salt's atomic weight is 11. Okay, so in 11 grams of salt, mm-hmm. there are 6.022 times 10 to the 23 molecules of sodium chloride. Times 10 to the 23. Mm-hmm. So that's a 10 with 23 zeros. 23 zeros yep. Okay, it's a huge, huge Massive, number. Yeah. So if you had 100 molecules of hydrogen left over from the water that was in this guy's blood, then, you know, that seems like a large number. But, you know, when we're talking about trillions of quadrillions and, you know, unthinkable numbers of uh, molecules. So what is more interesting to me is this theory of large numbers. It is almost certain that you have at least one molecule of water in your body that came from Christopher Columbus's piss. Okay? Sure. So Christopher Columbus coming across the ocean, pissing in the, um, in the ocean, in the ocean right. and through diffusion, evaporation, uh, rain, rain, and, you know, the all these molecules working their way, diffusing through the environment, it is likely that you have at least, at least one molecule of Christopher Columbus's piss in your body somewhere. Mm. Now, there's... How would you mark that? You can't. No. You know, if you had some radioactive element that only existed on another planet, you could have maybe marked the 
the um, uh, water molecules in his body and, you know, go back in time, mark them, and then uh, come forward in time and see if anybody has them. But there's no such thing. There's there's no radioactive element that exists somewhere else that we can't make here. Mm-hmm. So, so it, 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 but just through pure statistics, you can calculate that, the mm-hmm. likelihood that that's the case. That's crazy. Now, that's true of every other person that was on the Nina, the Pina, sure. and the Santa Maria. Not only them, but every other person that lived in that time. Mm-hmm. That's how huge these numbers are. Or me, since I may have pissed in the ocean last weekend, maybe. Yeah, those, those, (laughs) right, those have diffused quite significantly, but not uh, enough so that everyone on the planet has, you know, Dr. Scott molecules in them. (laughs) You're listening to Weird Medicine. And though you will try to always get it right. The beauty of life lives inside of you And I hope someday you find it too Tacey, uh, do you experience stress? No. Or have anxiety? Oh, absolutely never. Or chronic pain? Do you know what drives me crazy are those people who will put on like Facebook, Oh, oh, now I know anxiety's real. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, really. I mean... What the hell? Where have you been? <laughs> have you never had a kid? Because if you have a kid, you know what anxiety is. No, these are is. people with children. I mean, yeah. are they just floating through life? Like, yeah. oh, anyway. Well, if you're having any of those things or having trouble sleeping at least once a week, you're not alone. Many of us, many of us do. And personally, I have difficulty sleeping sometimes. But I have this my, myalgic disorder called polymyalgia rheumatica that causes my muscles to ache and it makes it difficult for me to sleep and I just feel crummy. And I was searching for something that would help and then I discovered Feels, F-E-A-L-S. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Was it due? It naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. And it certainly helped my chronic pain. I, I, I really can tell the difference if I don't take it. No, that's just me. That's a that's a an anecdotal report for me. It, it works helps for me, me too, Steve. It it really helps, um, especially to calm me down at night. Yeah, it you, really does. So you just pa- place a few drops of feels. That's F E A L S under your tongue. Feel the difference within minutes. The thing to remember about CBD is finding your right dose is important, and everyone's dose is different. So leave room to experiment over the course of a week or so. You may need to take more or less to get the effects you're after. Are you new to CBD? Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Who's doing that? No one. Well, Feels is. They're the only ones that I'm aware of. Feels works naturally to help you feel better, and there's no high, there's no hangover, there's no addiction. Join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order. And you can pause or cancel anytime. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feals.com slash fluid. That's F-L-U-I-D, and you'll get a 50% off deal for your first order with free shipping. That's feals.com slash fluid to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash fluid. Hey, Dr. Steve. Is it true that when we sneeze that our heart stops beating like for a, a millisecond and then when people say God bless you, is that just uh, 
that because the devil can't get a hold of you and damn you eternally? Just wondering. I've heard that ever since uh, I was a kid. Sure. And uh, you probably also heard that you blow your soul out with uh, uh, every sneeze, too. That's why people say, God bless you, or Gesundheit, uh, when you sneeze. And uh, But there is actually something to this. Your heart doesn't stop, stop in the sense that uh, you have a cardiac arrest. But there's a thing called sternutation, and that's this reflex uh, that's, uh, in, you know, it's a brainstem reflex. And uh, when you um, have something that irritates the upper lining in the nose, these nerves carry the signal to the uh, brainstem. It triggers the eyes to close and the chest to contract. And then your lungs expel a burst of air. And uh, But one thing that doesn't happen is there's any signal to the, to the heart to stop. So what does happen is when you have this huge increase in intrathoracic pressure, when you... <gasps> You know, when you get that sort of just right before you sneeze, it's hard for blood to pump into a thorax where the pressure is, from the outside is so high at that second. So for that one second, you get an interruption of blood flow. It's not it's not complete. It just decreases it. And um, when that happens, the um, uh, your the blood supply coming out of the heart will decrease for a second. Then you may have a com compensation where it actually increases uh, soon thereafter. So, You're listening to Weird Medicine. Number one thing, don't take Dr. advice Steve, from some asshole on the radio. What's the difference between uh, Narcan and smelling salts? I've um, seen both of them, you know, used on TV. It's probably not real, but... Um, you know, they, they wake an un unconscious person up, and I was just wondering how it works in the body. Yeah, now, this Good is question, a great Good damn question. question. Yep. I'm going to, I wish I had, well, I'll just give him some. That's a great question. So you got an unconscious person, mm -hmm. and you've seen this a million times. They put the smelling salts under their nose, mm -hmm. and then they wake up. Mm -hmm. Well, how's that different from Narcan, mm -hmm. which we're promoting for use with... Um, uh, person, op opioid yeah. overdose could be also on not and they're unconscious yeah. as well yeah. okay so smelling salts really is nothing more than ammonia salts and they if, if you ever smell it just you know take a bottle of ammonia don't don't get it close don't get close you uh, waft it it's called the, waft the way that you waft by the way <laughs> we learned this in organic chemistry you yeah. hold it away from you about a foot away from your body right. put your hand over it and then wave it towards your nose right. don't ever stick your nose no. right over the bottle no never do that with anything no hold it away from you and then use your other waft hand to wave it towards you, it towards you. Yeah. um and if you do that that's the smell that you get with these smelling salts and if someone has fainted mm -hmm. that will wake them up but um, or if they're intoxicated mm -hmm. with alcohol or something like that. And here's the thing. Smelling I've never used them clinically, ever. We have them, but mm -hmm. I've never used them. If someone faints, the right way to wake them up is to get their, is to lay them down gently on the ground and then get their feet, hold their feet up. You can even put them on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, if you're kneeling in front of them, just kneel and put their legs, their, their ankles on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's usually good to do this witnessed because if somebody walks in uh, mm. to your exam room while you're doing this, it's going to look not – it's not going to look good no. <laughs> for you. Oh, oh, well, they fainted. I was just, you know, and come on. But um, – or, or you maybe a better way to do it if you're in a room with furniture is to put their feet up on a, a chair. Or, chair yep. or a couch or chair, yeah. I agree. 
and uh, support their head. I mean, don't let them flop down, but, you know, you can put a little pillow under the head. But that will usually wake a fainter up right away because their issue is um, the um, circulatory system in their body has opened up and gravity is pulling blood out of their brain to the body. And this can happen for a lot of different reasons. It has lots to do with the autonomic nervous system. Don't worry about mm-hmm. it. But uh, Or people who stand up too fast and their body doesn't adjust. It, you know, when you stand up, the uh, veins and, and arteries in your body are supposed to tense up so that there's more resistance to flow and you're pushing blood back into the brain. But if it doesn't do that fast enough, particularly in people my age and up, it works a little bit slower. You stand up, all of a sudden the blood starts to rush out of your brain and you feel faint and you may even faint. And again, the treatment for those people is to... Um, uh, you know, lay them down on the ground and get their feet up. Don't hold them up. I've seen people, you know, grab under their shoulders and try to hold them up. No. If the blood continues to rush out of their brain, they'll have a pseudo seizure. Mm-hmm. And it looks just like a, a real seizure. And it may even be one. I've never seen a good physiologic explanation for it, but they'll jerk like they're having a seizure. And uh, that's their way of telling you, put me down, mm-hmm. you know. So anyway, now. You have someone that's intoxicated with alcohol, there isn't a whole lot you can do. So they'll use the smelling salts just as a noxious stimuli to just wake them up. You get their attention, sure. Uh, You know, loading them up with coffee, you know, it doesn't really do much. Uh, Might keep them from going to sleep because you're just giving them something to do. do. Time is the main thing. Time, time. If someone is acutely intoxicated with alcohol and they are comatose, uh, and you don't know how much they've had to drink, you got to take them to the emergency room because you can die from alcohol poisoning. Yes. Um, you know, if you see two champagne bottles off to the side and an enema tube sticking out of their ass and they're unconscious, they're, they may die. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, another reason to drink champagne, don't take it in enema form. <laughs> because once you've shoved two bottles of champagne up your ass, you have no control over how quickly this stuff is absorbed. And you're going to absorb all of it. Yep. Very quickly. Very quickly. At the same time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the surface area of the right. bowel. You know, right. if you're drinking it, the, the stomach's smaller surface area. And you get full. And yeah. you get full, or yeah. you start, or you pass out before you can kill yourself. Yep. So, uh, but so those people, uh, we may use smelling salts for now. Narcotic overdose, whole different thing. With a narcotic, we call them opioids. You call them narcotics. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, stimulate a receptor called the mu opioid receptor. Now there are other ones too. There's mu, kappa, delta, and lambda. But uh, let's just talk about the mu opioid receptor. So the mu opioid receptor, when it is triggered, induces uh, somnolence or sleepiness. It uh, decreases your rate of breathing. It uh, makes your pupils pinpoint, and it slows down your uh, uh, the um, bowels as well, mm-hmm. okay, or peristalsis in the GI tract. Now, if you get enough of it, it can make you comatose and it can even stop you from breathing altogether so this is what narcan is good for narcan is completely different you spray it up somebody's nose or you give them an injection of it gets into their system and it displaces the mu agonizing or this mu stimulating material like morphine or Mm -hmm. heroin or whatever and displaces it off of the um 
uh, off of those receptors, right. and they wake up. I've seen this happen so fast. I could. Uh, so you walk into the emergency room. Mm. I heard this story. Let's just say I heard this sure. somewhere. And uh, there's someone has had a stroke, and you walk in, and the family's all around them saying, you know, Grandpa's leaving us. And uh, was he like this when he came in? No, he was sitting up, but he must have had another stroke. Grandpa's leaving us. And you look at him, and this person is comatose, breathing maybe four times a minute, mm. and they're actively dying. Mm-hmm. So you look at the at the um, at the chart, and you see they got four milligrams of morphine oh, wow. intravenous, and you also find out that they had uh, a creatinine of six. Now, for the people who don't know what that is, it's a, f- a measure of kidney function. And normal is one point five or less, and the higher you get, the more your kidneys are not functioning. Mm. So. If you if you know a thing or two, you know that there is a metabolite. In other words, when drugs get in the body, they go through the liver, and the liver changes them. Mm. And we call those changed chemical compounds metabolites. And there's a metabolite of morphine called glucose-6-morphone, mm. or morphine-6-glucuronide. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. And it is only excreted by the kidney. Mm-hmm. And when the kidney isn't functioning, it's got nowhere to go, and it's active. It works, ju- it works on the body just like morphine does. So it accumulates. Mm-hmm. You can't get rid of it. So in a situation like that, you go and say, well, just hang on a second. And uh, you go get an amp of Narcan, which is the stuff we're talking about that competitively uh, inhibits the um, morphine at the level of the receptor, and you inject it. And 30 seconds later, that person sits up and goes, what What are y'all doing here? Okay. Um, right. I changed that story enough so that there's no HIPAA situation. I made it hypothetical, but that's basically the gist of exactly mm. what has happened multiple, multiple times. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, so that's the difference. Yeah. Um, smelling salts are just a noxious stimuli, yeah. like slapping somebody in the right. face. Narcan actually has a chemical uh, basis for its action, and it only works on opioid right. Intoxication it kicks those little boogers right off. But here's a couple couple things, Doctor Steve. Too, you know, we we all love the movie Pulp Fiction. You don't have to jam Narcan into no. somebody's heart. And, number right, one, right? And they even though they if they injected adrenaline into her heart. Oh, was that what it was? Adrenaline? Which, yeah. Doesn't make any sense no. medically. Well, that's a great that's story. A, you use adrenaline, <laughs> right? We used to jam adrenaline in people's hearts when they had um, uh, a cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. and they had no IV access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as last yeah, step I, kind of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I haven't seen that done in ages. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, and correct me if I'm wrong, please. So, if Tarantino had come to me. I would have said, let's use Narcan yeah, for this. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been as cool as jamming this thing in Uma Thurman's, you know, sternum. Or, or, or sticking it in her nose and squirting it in her nose. It wouldn't have been. No. It wouldn't have had the same effect. No. Hey, hey and correct me if I'm wrong. It's such too. a great scene. It but was it great. Made, you know, and and it doesn't even, it's so it great, great, it doesn't even take me out of it. <laughs> no. It was great. Knowing that it's bullshit. Yeah. That was a great move, by the way. Yeah. But, but uh, And correct me if I'm wrong, too, but. Um, when you give someone Narcan, yep. it displaces the opiates. Right, temporarily. Right? Temporarily. Right. In other words, they're not magically gone. They no, still you, need to go to the hospital and, and make sure that, that they're treated. Give yourself a bill. They will go back to where they were. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Scott. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. You have to, when if you give this to somebody, yeah, you immediately call 911, right. even if they seem fine. Right. 
if they have a long-acting opioid in their system, let's say that they took tw- 12 uh, uh, extended-release oxycodones uh, known on you know in the market as oxycontin, mm-hmm. those are going to be in their system for, for quite a while. some time. Right. I um, let's say I heard about another patient who uh, injected themselves with 14 milligrams of Dilaudid. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dilaudid is a very potent um, opioid. And for someone that's not used to it, 14 milligrams is a lethal dose. Yes. Uh, you know, 1.5 milligrams of intravenous hydromorphone or Dilaudid is equivalent to 30 milligrams of oral morphine or three Lortab 10s. So that was the equivalent of just about 30 Lortab 10s, right? So uh, we would give, let's just, well, in this case, we would, you would give somebody uh, uh, Narcan, and they'd wake up for 15 minutes and go right back to sleep again. Mm-hmm. Give them another one, wake up, right back to sleep again, and stop breathing. So uh, what you have to do in that situation is do a Narcan drip. Right. So you are actually giving them a constant dose of this stuff until the other drug is completely out of their system. Right. So there you go. That's crazy. All right. That's Good a stuff. great question. Good, Good question. Well, that is going to be it for this episode of Weird Medicine. Thank you for tuning in to my compilation of best of clips. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ovcharski, Eric Nagel, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt from The Syndicate, Rob, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our Sirius XM show on the Faction Talk channel, Sirius XM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Sunday 5 p.m. Eastern, on demand another time to Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemails and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. I also have a personal website, that's robotsintheocean.com if you want to check that shit out. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise, and we'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. 
which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit CarShield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at CarShield.com audio. That's CarShield.com audio.